9 through 14. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And John 8, 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I love Christmas. I love Christmas. I love everything about it. I love the cheesy movies. I love the cartoons, I love the tinsel, I love the lights, I love the, the fake snowmen put up in the yard because we're in the south and there's not real snow, so we have these inflatable things. I love when the nights get, the, get so quiet and you walk out there, you just hear the hum of your neighbor's <laughs> fans <laughs> blowing those things up. And I, I love it, I, I do. I didn't grow up going to Advent services and going to a, a candlelight service. Uh, but when we started doing this, it, it really fulfilled a part of me that just always keeps me grounded on why we do these things and why they matter. Uh, if you've been with us on these Sunday mornings, we've been talking about uh, the season of Christmas through the lens of a time, how it's the time for hope, how this is the time for joy, how this is a time for peace, how this is a time for love. And tonight we're going to talk about how it's a time for Christ, for Christ himself. Who's been watching your, your Christmas movies? I don't, I don't know if you have a checklist you go down. Uh, we got to a Muppet Christmas Carol the other night. <laughs> Anybody? Here, I, I, I actually have this screenshot from here right now. Uh, this moment with Michael Caine, everybody can do a bad Michael Caine impression, but Michael Caine says this at the end of this, right whenever he's seen all three of the ghosts, of go the ghosts of Christmas, past, present, and future. And he says, hear me, I'm not the man I was. Why would you show me this if I was past all hope? I, I will honor Christmas and try to keep it all the year. I will live my life in the past, the present, and the future. And because I'm a pastor and because I knew what I was going to be speaking about tonight, that line just really, really grabbed me. And I'm going to not talk as long as I normally tend to. I might get excited and go a little bit off script, but my kids want to get home you know, and, and have cookies and, and hot chocolate and Polar Expresses on tonight. So that uh, I'm going to try to wrap this up. But, but that moment where he said that, I will live my life in the past, the present, and the future, combining and connecting these ideas, it's that idea that here in this moment, here now is what we have. This moment that we have, this is our hope. This is our joy. This is our love. This is where we meet with Christ, right here and right now. I've been stuck on Zacchaeus for a, a while now. Zacchaeus was, you know, the wee little man. Wee little man was he. Um, Luke 19 says this. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to, the, to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now. I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and to save what is lost. 
that idea of what he had done before, that today salvation come and in the future he is going to be living differently, that he's going to make recompense, he's going to settle those scores, those things that he's done now. It's not that he can just ignore what came in the past. He can't just skip through that and say, "Woo, I, I got here because I stole all that money and I didn't even have to pay it back. Thank God for forgiveness. What a wonderful world this is. He knew his future, his past were connected. and They're tied to this day, this moment, today when Christ came to his house. Our calendar, our time often rules us. We take vacation when our company policy allows. We move to the whim of a child crying in the night. We respond, we react to the world around us. This demands on us things and people and schedules need our attention. It's time to eat. It's time to go to bed. It's time to get a new car. It's time to start saving for college. It's time to vote. All of these things we do because now is the time. Now is the season. And we say what's in the past is past. What is yet to come? Who knows? That will be. Our understanding that we have taken about living in the moment is, is junk. Our understanding about living in the now essentially means we're going to forget the past and we're not going to worry about the future and we only have this moment. But when we say that this is a time for Christ, he connects our past, our present, and our future with his goodness, with his power, with his plans. We read Luke 2 in the youth group on Sunday. This is Zechariah's song. Zechariah is the, uh, the high priest. He's the, the father of John the Baptist. And whenever this this prophetic moment was coming to pass when his son was to be born and he realized who he was in the kingdom of God and he saw that Mary was pregnant with Jesus. This is what he says. His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesied, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us, the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago salvation from our enemies, from the land of all who hate us, to, do, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies, to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. The same thing we saw with Zacchaeus, you can say, see the same thing here, that the past, the present, and the future all come together. And the line that, that struck me whenever we were reading this with our youth was where he said exactly that, that um, he's going to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant. Those who came before us, somehow in some way, mercy is being shown to them because now is the time for Christ. That because of what happens in this moment, the past matters. And the future is looking a whole lot brighter because this now is the time for Christ. So as Zacchaeus met with the Lord today, he reconciled with his past. Wrongs that he had done were set right, not to a careful amount, but to an overwhelming, generous amount. The future was secured. Zechariah is filled with the Spirit, sees Jesus, and he acknowledges something I never noticed, mercy being shown to our ancestors. He's rescue for us. He will be for all of our days. I don't seem to get too far in my life without having this idea smack me right between the eyes that God is the God of the eternal present. The eternal present. This moment is what we have. We are creatures of the eternal present. This now moment was the future just a little while ago. 
You know, the, it, what's the Michael Scott line? I, I start a sentence, I don't even know where I'm going to be by the time I finish it. Any Office fans? Just me? All right. <laughs> but this idea that we go from the present into the future, that these things are connected in a line, is so important. But we ourselves, we live always in this moment. And what we do now in this moment, today, tonight, is of eternal significance. There's the, this really great wisdom that, that you've probably heard, and there's T-shirts made of it. Um, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago, right? The second best time, anybody? Now, right? We can't go back in time. We can't, we can't do something about what happened. But in this moment here and now, this chance that I have at this time to do something about it, what will I do? How will I spend myself tonight? How will I spend the time I have with my family right now? Because tomorrow, all of this is just a memory. Tomorrow, all of this is just the past. And the, the day that's ahead of me still hasn't come yet. There's always going to be that tomorrow. My past is always behind me. But I have in this moment hope, joy, peace, love of Christ. We used to call it carpe diem, and then it became YOLO. And I, I don't know if there's something new now. I, this is how out of touch I am. But, but it's the same idea that we've struggled with time and time again. It's like, I know that, that this is fleeting. I, I know that this time that I have now is special. I, I know that this matters. What do I do with it? How do I take the present and treat it with respect? How do I take this present and make the most of it? How do I fill it with joy so that whenever it is a memory, I can be proud, I, I can be happy with how I spent that time? I had this great moment in the, the coming of faith that I had myself I saw the wisdom of a lot of other teachers, a lot of other religions, other theologies, and they, they offered peace, and a peace that I could really understand and get behind. It was a kind of peace. It was the peace that just kind of said, well, the past is the past, and the, the future is yet, yet undecided, so just accept it. And just accept it is this wisdom that a lot of people have adopted to try to have peace with themselves and, and realizing that the things that happened in the past are what they are. But when we say that now is the time for Christ, he doesn't just say, well, you know, the past is really unfortunate or boy, I was really good in the past. You got have you read my book? You know, that some really amazing things happened before. Christ is never that way. Christ looks at your past and he says, I will make that right. He looks at the things that have been taken from you, the, the losses you have suffered. And he says, by my power, I will make them right. I will turn your mourning to joy. Your sorrow will be filled with dancing. I will take the, those moments that, that you were lost, and I will give you a direction. Those things that you did that you're ashamed of, I will remove your shame, and I will give you a life that you can be proud of. And that's what our God does. He takes our past, and in this moment, he leads us towards his future. It has been this time for Advent. It's been the time for waiting. The time of, of being in a world in between, having in part, but longing for fullness. Christ came, but, but he will come again. Galatians 4 says this. When the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. Since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. There again, by the power of God, by, by his goodness, by his mercy, 
our story is not isolated and removed from the kingdom of God. But because at just the right time, at that fullness of time, his son came so that we could also be sons and daughters, that we can also be a part of this family so that we can become heirs, so that in the future, what is God's is ours. That's a really, really big deal. We may say then, why doesn't Jesus walk this world now? Why is this something we're reading about in the past? Why is this something from before? I would have loved to be around in the time of Jesus. I would have loved to walk the earth when he did. You ever learned a lesson before it's time? Or I should say, has anybody tried to teach you a lesson maybe before you were ready for that lesson? Or you read a book before you were old enough maybe to understand it? My dad gave me a, the Isaac Asimov trilogy uh, foundation when I was probably about seven or eight years old. And I tried to read it, and I had no idea <laughs> about what was happening in that book whatsoever. And then maybe when I was in my, my late 20s, I picked it up again. I started thumbing through the pages, and I got caught up in the story, and I read it. And it was just this amazing moment of realizing, now is the time. I, I can appreciate this. And I think with all of our history, with all that we've been through in this world, the way that religion has been used and abused, the way that we have grown from violence to peace, the way that, that we have seen our fellow man, and we had slavery, and now we're calling the slave our brother, the way that we have set things right, the way that this world has shifted, we're standing on the shoulders of people who have come forward to the gospel of God and have made things right that were once wrong. We weren't always ready to live in this day and age. We weren't always ready for this lesson. We couldn't always handle grace the way that we can now. In fact, we had to walk a, a winding road. I, there's things that, that I always thought I could do, and I thought I could make it through, but I just couldn't. And I know if you told me that the way is Jesus and that I was not good enough on my own to do it, you know what? I'd say, maybe I could. Just, just if I tried harder, maybe I could be good enough. And so I think that the Lord in his mercy he gave us generation after generation of men and women trying their hardest to follow the law. They had the law. They knew the law. They had the prophets. They, they, they knew what to do, and they just couldn't. All men failed. All men sinned. So 2 Peter 3. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. The Lord a day is like a thousand years. A thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He's patient with you. He's not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So he had this plan. He had this plan from the very beginning. He gave us time. He gave it space. He let us work out our own frustrating failures. He let us see that we couldn't do this, that we make a mess, that we kill our brothers and sisters that we don't understand peace, that we don't understand joy. We try to, to make joy from, from getting drunk or using drugs or dancing or all these things that, that just manufacture emotions and that, that aren't real lasting sensations of joy and the love, the ways that we've twisted love and peace. And we see this in Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to the end. Church family, you have eternity in your heart. We are made for this. We're in this eternal presence. And yet still, the way it goes from the beginning to the end is a mystery to us, which means we just have to rely on him. We have to have faith and confidence and, and a knowledge about who God is and what he's doing. So Christ came. And so when we say tonight it's a time for Christ, I don't mean simply 
Anno Domini. I don't mean that this is the year of the Lord. When I say it's time for Christ, it's not simply a time to, to consider his words or his teachings. His gospel is not a suggestion or an opinion. The time of Christ means that this is the time of him reigning. God with us is a present reality. So let's be utterly real. What does this mean? This is not an emotion. This is not a mood. This is not an argument. This is nothing, not a theology that you need to understand or, or somehow come to, to peace with. God reigning, Jesus reigning, must have real concrete power in your life. Or what's the point? <laughs> if this is the day of the Lord, then let the Lord be reigning over all. Or what's the point? If God is with us, is not something with power to affect my days, my years, my life. We're all just wasting our time here. If there's no power in the gospel, who cares that Jesus of Nazareth was born in Bethlehem? Some old prophet said that that would happen. And I'm not saying this in a selfish way, but as a point of order. Because if this is real, it means everything. And if it's not, it means nothing. What this present world needs is Christ. What Holly Springs needs in 2019, soon to be 2020, what we need is Christ. He's not archaic. He's not relegated to history. He's not relevant to third world countries or places less scientifically minded. He's not a future hope, only to be met after death or whenever he comes again. Here now, the cure for what ails us is Christ. What our depressed, anxiety-ridden, social media crazy, lonely, and isolated America needs is Christ. Second Corinthians, as God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. He wrote those words soon after he walked this earth, but it's still true for us today. Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Because he reigns, because he has this power, what has changed? We've been using Ecclesiastes, and it says this. There's a time for everything, season for every activity under the heavens, time to be born, time to die, time to plant, time to uproot, time to kill, and a time to heal, time to tear down and a time to build, time to weep, a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace. A time to refrain from embracing. A time to search. A time to give up. A time to keep. A time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent. A time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. And in all of this, However your Advent season has been, if you are struggling in the Christmas season, if you are filled with joy and you have a rich life, if you know sorrow and depression and anxiety, if you know laughter and friendship and family, in all of this, it's a time for Christ. If you want to mourn well, if you need to heal well, if you need to love what needs to be loved and to hate what needs to be hated, you need Christ. It's time for him. We don't mourn as the world mourns. We don't rejoice as the world rejoices. We don't hope as the world hopes. We don't love as the world loves. We, we can't because Christ reigns. That even my sorrow cannot be sorrowful for very long. That even my loss can't be lost for very long because he reigns. Today is a day for Christ to reign. Hebrews 3, so as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. 
as you did in the rebellion during the time and testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said their hearts are always going astray. They've not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger. They shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. I love that the author of Hebrews put that in there twice. You know, and he couldn't type it out and copy and, and paste the same section. You know, they had to write it out twice. And I, I th- if you've ever had to handwrite a letter, you know how laborious that can be. There's no IBID, you know, there's no C above. He wrote the words out twice to the same thing. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. His point, again, is connecting our today and our tomorrow. The direction we had today will set us up for success or failure tomorrow. I'll be closer or farther from my Jesus tomorrow based on what I do today. Paul says this as our final point, and it's so on the nose, but we need to remember it. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. I encourage you, Whenever you go home, read the Christmas story. Remember what today means. Remember how you fit into the story as your family, as your friends, and see how this comes together. We're going to be lighting our candles, and the symbolism of this is very profound. We lit the Christ candle in the very center. This is the time for Christ, and from Christ, his light goes out to everyone in this room. What you have is not even a small part. You're, what you have is the fullness of the light that we lit, remembering that Christ came. And what we have with the Holy Spirit is the fullness of who he is in this amazing story. The night before Christ's birth, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell among robbers. A priest came down the road and passed him by. Then a Levite came down the road and passed him by. Finally, as the sun was going down, a Samaritan traveling down the road saw the man beaten and lying lifeless. He too passed him by. The night before Christ's birth, a man returned home from wasting his inheritance on parties and prostitutes. On the road, he rehearsed his plea to simply be one of his father's servants. And when he was still a long way off, his father saw him and his father turned his back. The night before Christ's birth, A woman was caught in the act of adultery, was brought before the local rabbi, was stoned to death. The night before Christ's birth in me, I had fallen amongst robbers, had wasted my inheritance, and was condemned to death. The night before Christ's birth, we all wait, helpless, hopeless, for we cannot see the light in this darkness. We cannot overcome our oppression. The night before Christ's birth, who could have imagined Emmanuel, God with us? God, one of us.